to get us started, what I want to do, we're going to do, uh, hopefully, several of these formats during the year. And as David Brooks says, talking about the loves, what we're really talking about is virtue and, and, and how virtue gets applied in our, in our vocations, um, but in our whole lives, but kind of focused in on vocations. And so what I would like for us to think about is when we say the creed every Sunday, uh, we, we say that we believe in the life everlasting. But do we really think about the fact that, that, that we enter into that everlasting life at the time that we accepted Christ? That, is, that everlasting life doesn't start after you die, which is kind of what I'd always thought about. But we really enter into that being transformed um, at the time you become a Christian. And, and in um, Romans 12, 2, Paul says to, to not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but to be transformed um, by the renewing of our minds. And, and so there's something we're supposed to do in response to entering into this life everlasting and, and to become more Christ-like. And that's what this is all about. So as you uh, listen to, to Christian men who, who are engaged uh, in lives just like all the rest of us are, but are trying to figure out how they adequately and, and, and properly uh, live out their faith in their vocations as well as the rest of their lives. Think about personally how do I do this? How can this conversation help me ratchet to maybe just one turn on the ratchet towards moving a little bit closer to being transformed rather than conforming? So with that, We'll start, and, and in prior conversations, we've, the three of us have talked about whether in hiring or other relationships, uh, whether or not it is important to, to look into the character of people we're hiring or, dealing, or running into, are dealing with in some way. And so I want to ask them some about that. Um, and so first is, because I know they do, we, we, I've discovered that just in talking to them, um, how do you go about um, trying to determine, in, in, whether it's in an employment interview or, or some other format, um, how do you go about trying to uncover the character of the people you're thinking about doing business with? And um, go ahead, Bob. I'm, I'm happy to go first. Um, Florence, am I okay volume-wise? Am I okay? Can you hear me okay? Yes. You know, it's interesting. Um, I have to, to digress a moment and tell you that when Hank first sent this video, I didn't really have a good knowledge of who David Brooks was. Uh, the book that David wrote that's such a bestseller is called The Road to Character. And this is a portion of an extended video that's on YouTube in which David talks about uh, a lot of things um, at the Aspen Institute. And so I said I'd like to learn a little bit about David Brooks and what he's trying to do. So I spent a little bit of time reading some reviews of his book and things of this nature. And one of the things that struck me about David is that I'm not sure I agree necessarily with a lot of what his premises are on some things. Um, as I understand it, David is, is a, a Jewish person. Um, and in looking at what David is doing, you know, I'm not sure in my mind that David really hasn't fallen subject to some things that uh, some friends and I studied about in, in the Fitz Allison book called The Cruelty of Heresy. One of the concerns we all face as individuals is 
what happens when we get off track a little bit? How do we know we're doing the right things? And Fitz's title suggests that when you get away from orthodoxy, part of what you really struggle with is that you get into something that's very cruel to what God intended to be. The relationship that God wants with you is not based on you, it's based on him. So when I talk with people, and I told Don, interestingly enough, I said, I haven't hired anybody in so many years, I can't tell you how long that's been. But when I talk with people, I'm looking for a sense of, of genuineness, a sense of humility. Um, how do I measure these people? How do, how do I determine what's important in their lives and how sincere they are about what they do? Is there a way to determine where their beliefs are? How do their lives show and, in fact, implement, as Don's saying, what's going on in their lives? One of the things that, that I found interesting is that we live in such a secular world that we all are trying to improve ourselves by our own efforts. Uh, Fitzhouse wrote another book that some friends and I are getting ready to start studying called Trust in an Age of Arrogance. And the arrogance principle really is, is about the fact that we all think we can do it ourselves. We're all self-righteous. We can all try a little bit harder and get it done. Uh, Fitz notes that that goes back to Jesus' comment about the fair, beware of the Pharisees and Sadducees yeast, yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. He says that really refers to teachings that help us get off track and beware of how those things happen. So when I talk with people, I'm trying to find out really is there an element of humility in these people? What are the characteristics that, that our Lord and Savior had that I ought to find in these people if they're really people that I think I can do a business with on a long-term basis? So my approach to people really is trying to find out a little bit about them and what really motivates them, what really drives them from that perspective. So I don't have questions per se, Don, that I ask, but I try to just do things in terms of an informal conversation to really find out where people's uh, values are, what do they really uh, prioritize in their own lives. David? My, my experience would be very similar to Bob's. Um, I've been the managing principal of a commercial real estate firm for the last five years, so coming out of the recession, I uh, did a lot of interviewing and trying to hire not only brokers, but also support staff. And I don't have a specific question, but the specific goal uh, is to try to determine not only their character, but also how they work on a team, how they collaborate. Um, in our business, as a commercial estate broker, really, uh, your business is your reputation and how you, because it's service-oriented, we don't have a product to sell, uh, per se, even though we're trading property. So it's, it's really important because Whomever we hire, whether support staff or second south front or a top producing broker, is a reflection of everybody in that office, not just me or my partners, but, but everyone. And so a lot of times I'll ask leading questions, such as uh, if I have a specific, if I'm looking at the resume and I've got a specific project they worked on I might be familiar with, I'll say, what was your role in that project? And, and recently, I'd say in the last five years, if, uh, if their responses tend to start with I, versus we, uh, they tend to be folks who are more centered around themselves and getting that commission at all costs or uh, whatever it may be. And so, as, as Bob said, I'm, the humility, um, it's, it's a thin line because we want producers who are ambitious and aggressive, which can seem like negative terms, um, and, but to find someone that has those characteristics but is still uh, has humility, is humble, gracious, will work very well on a team and understands that their role on that team is very important. So it's hard to tell, but oftentimes once they open up, um, they'll lead to other questions and get a better feel for how that, how that works. Thanks. Um, 
as a follow-up to that, can, can y'all talk for a minute about the, the practical advantages of dealing with people of character? Um, uh, we know it's, you know, character is the right thing to have. We want people to have virtues. But, but, but is it good for business? Or, I mean, I, I remember uh, somebody saying one time, you really couldn't be successful in business if you were, were nice. Um, a guy told me that once, and it stuck with me because um, I hoped it wasn't true. Um, but but um, can you talk a little bit about is it practical, and, and are there practical advantages? Are there advantages all just um, um, more moral and spiritual advantages to dealing with people of character? Right. Bob, we'll start with you again. Well, that's an interesting question. Um, as Don said, I'm a tax lawyer. Most of what I do is in the transfer tax arena, a lot of trust and estate planning, so I see families in all kinds of different relationships and different stress factors. Uh, so it's interesting to see how people respond and react to those kinds of things. But I find that the people that, um, that, that effectively demonstrate both a humility and, and, a, and a fact that you can trust what they say, that, that if they say it, they will do it, uh, is such a critical portion of what happens in that situation. One of the things that, that I find interesting in, in my particular uh, field of what I do is um, a lot of what I do involves preparing wills and trusts and things of that sort. Uh, I have gotten into the habit of asking people uh, if they would like Christian affirmations in their wills. Many years ago, when you would look at people's wills, they would say at the top, in the name of God, amen, because religion was important and a priority for people. And I have started asking people in the last few years if they would like their documents to contain Christian affirmation of their faith. And it's always an interesting opportunity for them to open up and talk about things that they might not have other talk, otherwise talked about. So it's an interesting perspective of, of allowing them to, to demonstrate a side of them that sometimes isn't revealed in normal discussions. But it gives them an opportunity to say, yes, I'd like to say that I acknowledge that Jesus is Lord and Savior of my life, and I'd like my family to know that. I'd like to, that to be in those documents. So character in dealing with people is important, but you also have to continue to probe to, to give people opportunity to display that character, I think. I've got to follow up with that because I, I, I think that's fascinating. Um, do you ever get ne negative feedback from asking that question? I haven't gotten negative feedback. I've had some people who decline. But um, generally when you talk with people, you can find out where priorities are in their lives. And as you do that, uh, then you're... You're, I, I don't feel as if I say it in a fashion that's threatening to them if they don't want it in there. I think that's something for us all to think about, how something like that might apply to, to whatever it is we're doing. But, but to get back to the question, David. Well, I, I think I can honestly say we probably have lost business and opportunities by uh, either doing the right thing or having integrity in a, in a situation. Um, but I believe, and I think our core team, which, which by the way, we're a small firm of about uh, 12 right now, and eight of those uh, folks are Christians, and um, several of them are active here in St. Phillips. And I think we decided, the, the core group, five or six years ago, that we would continue to do business the right way, and we knew that we would lose opportunities, and we uh, may not only be the the uh, top producing firm or, or make the most money, but we believe in our model and we believe that by doing the right thing, and, or we strive to, I can say sometimes maybe we, we don't, but we, we strive to, um, 
that it will bring repeat customers. And we've seen that. And, and in particular, two of the folks that have worked with me a long time, most of their business comes from repeat business that could easily go elsewhere. And it's because they trust them. And I, I hear that a lot. And I would rather have a partner or a broker or sports staff that works with me that, that, that I trust way over one that I'm not sure about who may be productive. So I think it's been, at the end of the day, I think it's overwhelmingly better for us because of I'm curious, just a, sh a show of hands, that'd be interesting how many people right off the top of their head can think of a time when they lost business because they wanted to do it the right way. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, okay. Um, the next thing I want to kind of move on to is, is, is talking about, that's a good segue actually, David, in, into when these two things, the love of career versus, um, versus uh, the love of, of money or, or truth um, came into conflict. So I'd like for each of you to talk a minute about a, a, an instance uh, uh, that you can tell us about in your careers where you had to make a decision between the love of truth and the love of career, if, if you don't mind. Um, Bob? You know, you, you talk about uh, the question, love of truth, and, and to my way of thinking, that always takes me back to the scripture where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. So to my way of paraphrasing your question, it really is love of Jesus and what he taught us to do is the priority as opposed to something else. Uh, you asked for specific instances of where I've suffered as a result uh, of losing business or things of that nature. Um, I don't know that I could tell you anything off the top of my head where that's happened to me. I suspect that some things I've said or done in various places um, may have offended people and it may have resulted in people not coming to, to work with me on situations. Um, for a long time, I've had scriptural verses at the bottom of my emails. And it was probably a year before somebody emailed me back and said, uh, you know, why do you continue to do that? I probably had 30 people who said, I appreciate your witness indirectly with what you've got at the bottom of your email." So it's a situation where I can't sit here right now and tell you a specific example of where I think I lost business by being faithful to, to, um, to the love of Jesus. But I'll, I'll give uh, David a chance to respond and see if I can come up with one. Um, Surely a real estate guy's had that experience. Unfortunately, <laughs> a lot. Um, I think one that stands out, uh, oftentimes we're invited to come and present to handle a large property, whether it's to lease it or sell it. And oftentimes we would be invited to two, three, four of the groups. And um, recently, we, our team was put together to go in. We felt pretty good about the marketing materials and what we were going to say, but it was a challenge. And um, we knew that uh, it could go one of several different ways once it was really launched. And, and we really didn't have a good answer to, to look them in the eye and say, we're going to 100% lease it in X amount of time. And so, we decided that, like, you know, we're going to absolutely tell them the truth, but we're going to focus on what we're going to do for them and how we're going to approach the project and our understanding of it. But if it came up, well, do you have a tenant for me, or, or could you give me a tenant in three months, that, that we were not going to give any indication of something we didn't believe or feel comfortable with. So we went in, and it, uh, it went well. I thought it went really well. They asked all the right questions, and, and those questions came up, and we answered them as we said we would, uh, but also showed our enthusiasm for the project. And so we left, 
And I had that feeling, I'm like, we're not going to get this assignment. But the three of us all said, you know what, we did our best. If we don't get it, it's not meant to be. And consequently, the, the backstory there is we found out several weeks later that the group that did get the assignment did go in and prom made all these promises, which now we say several months later really didn't pan out. So I don't, uh, it doesn't make me gloat, but it, it reaffirms that we knew going in we, were, we needed to do the right thing regardless. Okay. Um, now, uh, lastly, for my questions, um, can each of you tell us about someone who had a real impact on your life and the, and the way you go about business and life um, and who taught you something about getting your priorities uh, straight uh, with, these, with these two areas, uh, truth and, and career? And just a, someone you ran into along the way who, who has affected how you do, do things. Uh, David, I'm going to let you go first. Um, probably in business would be my stepfather. He was my mentor, and I worked for him uh, for maybe 10 years at different periods. And as a, as a young child, one thing he, he told me, he said, if you say you're going to do something, you need to do it. And there's going to be a lot of times you're going to say you'll do something. And then when it comes around where you, you've got to go through it, you're going to wish you hadn't said you'd do it. And the people will remember that, and you need to be mindful. And the biggest problem with that is I forget now to think before I say yes. Uh, it comes back. I, it was never ill intentions to begin with, but but it is hard. And I have three boys, and this hits home now all the time because they'll ask me something. I'll say, sure, we'll do that. And then it comes around, like, well, no, we're not going to do that. So um, it, it really is a constant reminder, I think, to um, in business. And it's hard. It's really hard, particularly in a, in my business, which which can go several different directions, and things can change over time. Uh, and he was in the same business, my stepfather, and he uh, really hit home with me on that. You, you got to follow things that you say to do. And, and the other thing he also shared with me that really came in handy during the recession, he said, there are going to be tough times. And um, during the good times, you're not going to remember the tough times, but during the tough times, um, you really need to be responsible. And if it's a situation where uh, you, you can't meet all your obligations, you need to be honest about that and work through it. And boy, we were put to the test on that. And, 2008 and on. And uh, I think without him teaching me at an early age, it would have been real easy to rationalize not doing the right thing because of the circumstances. So I'm grateful for that. Bob? You know, there are three people that uh, come to my mind. The first is Jesus, because clearly in that situation, you learn more by how he modeled his life and how he lived than anybody else. Um, the other two really are um, Rick Belser who was the rector at St. Michael's for many years, who always lived his life in a very humble fashion, but conveyed very clearly uh, a sense of love for, for the people he met and, and those with whom he dealt. And the third really would be Fitz Allison. Fitz Allison has reminded me over the years how easy it is to slip in the faith and, and fall away, how there are all these things that will detract from your good intentions to be a good Christian and things of that sort, but a recognition that um, that we all slip away. There are all these distractions that try to convert us from being faithful to what we know should be our principles. So Fitz has been a wonderful reminder to me of the fact that those challenges and temptations will be there uh, and that you need to stay away from those. Um, but again, those would be the, the three folks that uh, would have had the biggest impact. Thanks. We've got a few minutes. Uh, if, if there are any questions, if anybody's got anything out there they'd like to ask or, or situation 
throw out to these guys and, and get some response from them. Uh, I just would ask that, um, that, that your questions actually be questions. Um, yeah. <laughs> Anybody? Colin. Apart from honesty and dependability, have you found any quote, surprise virtues that have been really helpful in your companies? Did y'all hear that? The, the question was, apart from dependability and honesty, have, have they discovered any virtues that were surprises to them that, that were useful in their companies? Who wants to tackle that? Um, I think, you know, going back to uh, being on a team and, and really helping is, uh, I've had a, a few folks I've been fortunate to work with recently who really will make personal sacrifices to, to help the team. And, and in a couple of cases I'm recently aware of, um, she didn't get the credit. She doesn't know I know, and she was doing it. And I don't, that may not fully answer your question, but I think what I found is uh, it reaffirmed there are good people out there who do good things just because that's just what they need to do. Um, you know, to echo David's thoughts, uh, honesty and dependability are certainly two. Uh, the other is the humility of somebody. How are they willing, as he said, not for it all to be I all the time, but we? And, and are they willing to participate in the background and getting things done without necessarily demanding credit for it? Those are the kind of people you want to be around in terms of, of the relationships that build an organization and make it stronger. Any other questions? Oh, okay, maybe. Uh, I'd love to ask a question around um, the potential of sacrificing business by doing the right thing instead of asking in case you didn't hear the question was reverse the question about losing business by doing the right thing have have they had experiences where doing the right thing created long-term business and, and work for them and then i mentioned that briefly when when i talked that we we have documented uh events where because we had had a good relationship with a client before, it's repeat business, and more importantly, or equally important, they have um, referred us to other folks. Um, there have been several times I've heard, I'll meet somebody at an event or something, and they'll talk about one of the folks on my team or in our office and say, you know, he did a great job, and he really treated me. It wasn't like it was all about the transaction. It was, he really had my best interest at heart. And, I've even heard instances recently said, you know, I probably he could have made a little more money selling a little higher, but I appreciate that and they refer it to someone else. And so I definitely think that we've had specific instances that led more business. And I would echo what David says there, Maybank. Um, I, I know factually that there have been folks for whom I've done work as a result of their awareness of, of my faith from that perspective. Um, as a digression, I, I belong to a group of lawyers that just uh, meets three times a year nationally in, in the trust and estate field. And that group has formed a group that meets to pray uh, for half an hour uh, one day in these meetings. And these folks, uh, if they have things in the Charleston area, send them to me. Uh, they, they appreciate the fact that we've all gathered, we all share a common belief, a common basis for what we do. Uh, and from time to time, I will be aware that those people have sent people to see me who've moved to this area, uh, partly in result of what your question is, direct, direct uh, benefits, so to speak. Yeah, in, in fact, I'd like to 
throw one in on that that stuck with me. My, um, my first job, I sold um, printing equipment, printing presses, that kind of thing. And, and there was a machine for certain kind of presses uh, that was called a master maker, made of kind of like a sophisticated copier, if you will. And, um, and it, 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 normally, all you had to do in terms of putting any chemicals in it was pour clear liquid in a little spout in the front. But about, nah, I can't how many copies you made, but uh, periodically, there was a really messy little door in the back that you had to go in and put a little bottle of this black stuff that if even a drop of it got on your clothes, you can just throw those clothes away. And, and, and our major competitor in the printing press business, um, we both used the same master maker. It, it had our name, it, it looked the same, but it had different names on it, made by the same company. And so I was demonstrating at one time, it was a relatively small sale, but with a big company. And, um, and so when it was over, the guy said, well, now, how about um, um, any chemicals that have to be changed or anything of that nature? I had no idea that my competitor was even involved in, in talking to them. And so I showed them the clear liquid and all, and then I said, and of course, you know, it, there's a little bottle on the back that I really don't want to pull out, because if I do, it'll probably squirt on me and ruin my clothes. And, and yeah, it, it's pretty much of a pain, and it has to be done probably four times a year. And, um, and, it, and it's, a, it's a pain. And so then one of the people, it was a committee of people, one of them said, well, does so-and-so company, their, their master maker looks just like yours, but theirs doesn't have that. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, it does. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's there. You, you can't make them without that. And, um, and he said, no, no, it doesn't, because they were in here yesterday and, and did a demo, and we asked him specifically, um, were there any other chemicals? Now, this happened to be DuPont, who if anybody's ever done business with them, knows that they are really, really sticklers about any chemicals that come into their plants. They're so safety-minded. But anyway, so I told him, I said, well, you call them back up then because I'm, uh, yeah, you have to do it. Can't, it has to be that way. It, was, it turns out, they told me later, I got the business and it ended up being a huge account. They bought a lot more stuff. Um, but as it turns out, they had already decided to buy the other stuff. It was, it was less expensive, and, and when they found out, when they called the guy back in and pinned him down and found out that he didn't really lie to him, I suppose, he just didn't tell him about this little bottle back there. And, um, and so that was a time when, when it never occurred to me not to tell somebody about it. I didn't think I was doing a good thing, so it wasn't so much me doing the right thing as my competitor doing something really underhanded, but it did come back in... in um, a lot of commissions came from that one little omission on his part. Uh, Hank, I think, I think we're at the starting stopping point. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, okay. Thank you all so much um, for, your, for your attendance and for your attention. Thank you, Don and Bob and David. Um, I want to do a couple of things with you now. Uh, one is